I want to talk about the door. And I, I kind of last minute, I said, find me a door. And this is the ugliest door I've ever seen in my life. But it is a door. In fact, they said, don't open it. It'll fall apart. That's how bad the door is. But I, I, I have sort of a sermon illustration here. <laughs> you know, one of the things, and maybe I'm weird, but I, I like to watch these shows where they go out into the wilderness and they build a log cabin from scratch. Anyone else like that? I think that's cool. And you watch them do it, and I'm just impressed by that. Bigger the better. You know, I like to build a big house. You know, oh, this is really cool. I think it was last night I was watching the show where they, they were, it was a competition, and you had to spend the night out in the wilderness, and you were challenged to build a shelter at the last minute and put that shelter together and get through the night, you know, with that shelter, and then whoever built the best shelter won. But I always noticed... You know, it's real easy to just kind of throw, well, not easy, but, you know, you, you get the wood, and you cut it down, and you just lay those beams across, but then you got to cut out a door. It'd just be a lot easier if you didn't have a door <laughs> or windows, right? Just just throw the logs across and, and connect them. And it's, I mean, that's not easy, but it, it's harder, it's a lot harder to get that doorway in there. And then you got to figure out how to make a door and how do you open it and how do you keep the bears out, you know, and all that stuff. And, and you got to do all that. So, so doors and windows are a little bit more of a challenge. And I, I like to watch these, these show, shows, but, but how stupid would it be in spite of the fact that it may be easier to build a log cabin without a door or even a window for that matter? That's depressing. You got to have a door or the house is useless. And the Holy Spirit kind of moved on me and said, I think my people are like that too. They love the house of God, but they never come in. And I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about spiritual places. I'm talking about going into the deeper, but I'm talking about just being in the presence of God. And we, we talk about the house of God but then Jesus comes along and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus comes along and says, I am the door. And you can't come in any other way. If you try, you're a thief and a robber. You have to come through the door. Salvation is through the door. Blessing is through the door. Miracles are through the door. Amen. The answers you need in prayer, you've got to find a door. Now, it might get a little deep in here, but are, will you follow me if you can? We, we, we've got to find spiritual doors. We need to start understanding access and how we get in and out and what a window is and what a door is. So the text I want is Acts chapter 10, and I want to talk about the story of Peter and Cornelius. How many are familiar with old Peter and Cornelius? And this is an important story because Cornelius and his household are the first Gentiles to get saved. Before that, it was all Jews. Aren't you glad Gentiles can get saved? Because that's you. You are a Gentile. Acts chapter 10, I won't read the whole thing, but let's go through some of this story. There was a certain man in Caesarea named Cor called Cornelius, a centurion, which uh, <clears throat> made him over like a company. He's probably like a captain in today's world. Uh, over at least 100 troops, uh, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. We, we actually know what that regiment is. It has history. We even know that's a true story. 
a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, okay, who gave alms generously to the poor and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, that'll wake you up. Uh, And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Wow. I want my prayers and my alms, my giving, to be a memorial in the house of God. So here's what I want you to do. He said, send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter, He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. So apparently he was at the beach. He was on vacation. He might have been waiting for a cruise. Who knows? He will tell you, how many want a cruise again? (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? How many just want to go on vacation? How many glad just to be out of the house this morning? He will tell you what you must do, okay? And, and when the angel spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier uh, from among those who, who uh, waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa the next day as they went on their journey and drew near the city. Peter went up. Now God's, how many know God works on one end and then he's working on the other end? You need to understand, a lot of times when he's working on you, he's working on someone else. And when the two, sometimes it takes two to tangle. So the next day as he went on their journey, uh, Peter went up uh, on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour of the day when he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. How many believe there is such a thing as trances, that you can go out in the spirit? And, and he saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. Sometimes when God wants to speak to you, he makes it look like food so you'll pay attention. Just observing. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and sometimes the food he shows you you don't want to eat. And birds of the air, and a voice came to you, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Uh, How many times do we get really self-righteous? Oh, I never did. I never did that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But a voice spoke to him again the second time and said, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now, maybe you don't know your Jewish stuff, but there are certain animals they could not eat to this day, right? They don't eat, they don't eat pigs, they don't eat certain animals. Um, uh, you know, it has to be kosher. That's the meaning of the word kosher. Uh, a, a, a priest, a Levite, whatever, has blessed the food. And it, and he says, yeah, you can eat this. No, you can't eat that. So he says, listen, I've always eaten kosher food. But, but God says, Peter, you're in a transition. Times, they're a-changing. 
He said, what I'm about to do, you're not familiar with. And what I'm about to do is really different. And from now on, I'm going to let you eat things that you wouldn't normally eat because I want you to hang out with people that you normally wouldn't hang out with. Because I'm opening a door and I'm letting everybody in. This isn't just a Jewish thing. I don't care what race, color, creed, background, rich, poor, whatever. I'm opening a door, and they're all coming in. And when God says, I'm really not talking about the food right now. I'm talking about people. And he says, I don't care how unclean they are. I don't care what they've done. I don't care where they've been. I don't care what their history is. I don't care what their nationality is. Whoever they are, common, unclean, they are welcome in the house of God. From now on, Peter. Hallelujah. And and I won't take time, but you know, Peter didn't quite always get that, even later on. But I think he finally got it, and Paul Paul had to straighten him out, you know. So this was done three times, three times. How many know sometimes we don't get it the first time? (laughs) Three times God had to slap him. Come on, Peter, wake up, eat this, eat this. It's like the waiter keep coming, please eat this. You're going to eat this. It's like, oh, here's a better one. Your mom says, I cooked this meal and you will eat it. Right? And the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he, had, which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had, who had been sent for Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. So he's on the second floor up on the rooftop, you know, sunbathing. And they're outside on the ground level approaching the house. And they called and asked whether Simon, a surname of Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, sometimes you need the Spirit to wake you up, Behold, three men are seeking you. Isn't this a great story? I love this story. There's more. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? I'm going to stop it right there for now because I do have a message to preach. <laughs> All right? So what, what drew me to this story was all the doors and windows here and, and the things that Peter saw on one end and Cornelius saw on another end and the doorways they had to go through to get to each other. And I began to think about what's going on here because Peter's about to see a huge change in his life. He needs an attitude adjustment. And Cornelius is about to experience a life-changing change as he becomes saved and goes deeper into the things of God. Peter had to realize that he can touch unclean things. And Cornelius had to realize that though he was unclean, God will accept him. That's powerful. So, number one, we have to be open 
to what God wants to do. Or I'm, I'm sorry, let me go back up. God will always open a window before he opens the door. So before he opened any doors and anybody went through any doors, Cornelius gets a vision. Peter gets a vision. Sometimes God's got to show you something before he can let you in. Before anything life-changing happens to you, you need a vision. Maybe you just need someone like me to come preach to you this morning to let you know that God wants to do something even greater in your life. You need a vision. You need a window. You need a revelation before the door can be opened. How many understand what I'm saying? Okay. So they both saw something. Number two, we have to be open to what God wants to do. I, I like this story because it said Cornelius, it wasn't enough that Cornelius meets Peter. He invites all his friends and family. He, start, he, gets, on, he gets on the phone, on the iPhone, and he had a huge Facebook following. And he got on there and just began to tell people, man, this guy, Peter, I know he's Jewish. Look past that. <laughs> Uh, this guy, Peter's coming from Joppa. He's got a message. God Almighty, I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. But I want to, you know, invite you to church. Ah, glory to God. I got a, a face uh, a instant message on, on the messenger, Facebook, whatever it is. So, yeah, I am. And... It was uh, from someone who attended here many years ago down in Cincinnati. And she said, she said are you going to be preaching next Sunday? I said, yes. He said, well, there's about three of us that we've been watching your podcast on Sunday. And, and the Holy Spirit moved, and we, there's a certain need. And we're, next Sunday, we're driving up from Cincinnati. We're coming to hear you preach and let you lay hands on us and pray for us. <laughs> yeah. It's spreading all over the place. It's spreading. Cornelius says, let's get the gang together. What are we going to do? I don't know. Did you ever invite your family and say, come on to church? And in the back of your head, you're going, oh, Lord, I hope it's not too crazy. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Don't let anything weird happen. Don't, don't let brother so-and-so. Don't. <laughs> I don't want to call anybody out. <laughs> You know you've done it. The whole time you're praying, Lord, just have a normal service, please. Do we even know what normal is around here? I don't know. Do we want normal? No. <laughs> no. We want spiritual. Whatever God wants, I'm, I'm good with that. Anybody good with that as long as it's the Holy Ghost? I don't believe in weirdness and craziness. And I don't believe in working anything up. But when God moves, I want him to move. We, ah! He said, why, Pastor? Because that's what it takes. We need a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit to break the bondages. My God, we need the Holy Ghost just to deal with the fear today. Wow. Wow. So he, so he gathers all his friends and family. They don't know what to expect. They don't know what's going on. They don't know. But, but they all came. Oh, let's have a party. You know, just a bunch of Romans. And they all come together in Cornelius' house. Wow. I, I, I like this. Peter started his journey upstairs. Cornelius and his buddies started 
outside the house downstairs. We that are spiritual need to get this very clearly in our head. That some, we can't spend our whole life upstairs. It's all right to be in the spirit. Or you can be in the spirit wherever you are, but don't just live in some kind of heavenly rule. Sometimes God says, listen, the reason you're upstairs having this spiritual retreat is so I can get you downstairs and start meeting the needs of the people, amen. Because there's somebody downstairs trying to get upstairs, but he can't get upstairs until you come from upstairs and help them get up the stairs. That's a lot of stairs. Did you follow all that? No one's coming up until you come down. Because they can't come up by themselves. It takes two. Wow. The, the upstairs vision needs to meet the, the basement hurt. And when that comes together, something amazing begins to happen. Wow. The Bible says Peter entered into Cornelius' house. That's what caught my eye. Can imagine Peter wondering. Now, understand, he has never been in a Gentile house. That wasn't allowed. So it's not just about the food. He's going where no Jewish man has gone before. For all Trek friends. He goes through the door and walks in. And he's thinking, I pray God doesn't strike me dead. He goes in, and the Bible says he begins to preach Jesus. And as he preaches Jesus, we don't know what he said or how far he got into it, but at some point during the message, the Spirit of the Lord fell on that house. And we don't know exactly what happened, but we know it was life-changing, and we know that they all spoke in tongues They all were filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, God can fill anybody with the Holy Ghost. And their lives were radically changed, and the first non-Jewish people are now Christians. Wow. But Peter had to be willing to go through the door. We like to talk about the house, but we got to get through the door. Worship is a door. Jesus is the door. And the door is what we need to get what we need. If you don't go through the door, if you don't press through and pray through, you're not going to get that healing. But if you have a door, you can get a healing. If you have a door, you can have a financial breakthrough. If you have a door, church, you can get out of that depression. If you have a door, your loved ones can get saved. If you have a door to go from one place to another. I'm talking about getting into another dimension because we need something supernatural. Because just natural ways of men. Listen, I can't, I can't uh, uh, argue people into the kingdom. I can't convince people to be, to be healed. I need God's hand. I can't do it in my own power. I need a door. I need to get through the door, listen, let me tell you, here's another thought. Don't judge the room by the door, please. 
Jesus. That actually helped me, didn't it? <laughs> that ugly door. Because the door can be difficult. The door can be time-consuming. The door, the door could be, you could be covered with tears. The, the, the door isn't always easy. Worship isn't always a, a friendly place. Worship can be difficult. Some prayer can be a difficult place. Sometimes you got to go through some stuff before you can get through the door. The door isn't always pretty. The door isn't always easy. But don't judge the room by the door. Because once you get through the door, I'm here to tell you there's an amazing amazing room back there. There's an amazing space in God out there. Ah, once you get through that door, your life will never be the same. Somebody praise him in the house. Peter entered in and life was never the same for them or for the entire church. The door will stretch you it stretched Peter beyond tradition. It stretched Cornelius away from his Roman soldier life. You know, it's, it's spirit, uh, uh, Christian tradition says that after that, um, Cornelius resigned his commission as an officer and traveled with Peter. And he became the first bishop of Caesarea. Ah, this man went on. And serve the Lord. But here's something I want you to get. I want you to get this. We are not just at a door. We don't just need a door. We are a door. Peter wasn't, Peter didn't just need a door, and Cornelius didn't just need a door. They became doors after they found a door. And sometimes you need to understand that once you get through something, God wants to use you as a door to get someone else through something. Why did God let me go through that? Because there's about 50 more people that need to get through it, and he used you to get the door open. And now you become that door. You can say things like, I've been there. I know what you're going through. I know what it takes to get through the door. I'm praying for you. Here, take my hand, and we'll go through the door together. Amen. I'll walk you through this, this stuff that you're going through. I've been there. Amen. He gets you through not to just, not to just get you through. He doesn't get you through just because you're all that good looking. He gets you through because there's many more that need to get through, and you're the one willing to go through. Come on and praise him. We are the door. We are the door. Peter and Cornelius were just kind of stuck at their doors. If either one didn't move, nothing would have gotten done. Do I need to say that again? Do you get that? What if Peter hadn't moved? What if Peter had said, I don't, I don't know, this, this, doesn't, this doesn't sound biblical to me. <laughs> I mean, all he had was the Old Testament. This doesn't sound Bible to me. But it was God. Now, I'm not saying God ever contradicts the Bible, but he didn't understand the Bible as it will be written in the New Testament. Wow. But once they went through, everything changed. Watch this. In Acts. Let's read a little bit of the story, and I'll be done. Acts 10. Verse 44, 45, 46. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard 
the word. Notice it didn't say it fell upon those who were sitting in the room. It fell on those who were paying attention. They, were, they heard the word. And, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. In other words, the Jews. And many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. <gasps> they get to speak in tongues too. They get the Holy Ghost just like we do. <gasps> What's going on? Why? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered. I think there's one more verse. Well, Peter answered something. Now, Peter said, can anyone deny baptizing them because they're now family? One thing I love about this church is you've always been open to whoever walks through that door, however they look, however they're dressed, whatever their past, whatever their hurts, whatever their complications. You've always understood that this isn't a club for saved people. This is a hospital for sick people. Jesus, help us in this place. But watch this. The Holy Ghost fell. How many believe they had an old-timey Pentecostal service? I believe some of them were doing helicopters. <laughs> some fell out in the spirit. The power of God's falling all over the place. Nobody questioned what's going on because it was happening to all of them. I've always wanted to be in one of those services where I lay hands on everybody. Everybody falls out, and I'm the only one left. I lay hands on myself, and I fall out. Let it be. <laughs> we'll all wake up and say, what happened? Where's the preacher? Ah, God's good. So, so I, I like this ending because once everybody, say everybody, once everybody got through the door, heaven opened and everything changed. When everybody gets through the door, everybody changes. Everybody's healed. Everybody's made whole. Every person is saved. And God just does. How many are hungry for a move of God? Not, not just something emotional, but something really real, something that just blows people away, that people from great distances want to come and hear what God is doing. And, I, and I, I'm praying it breaks out and it happens in churches all over the city. I, I, that's fine. That's fine. How many know that's fine? We, we need a move of God that will change the whole city, all the counties around here. We got people coming to this church from all the counties around. Amen. God, just move, move once again, move once again. Make a difference in our lives. Hallelujah. We're going to do this together. So I think we're going to do communion. I think you got the communion in your bags. So make that rattling sound. Get your communion out. If you don't have one, uh, raise your hand. Someone will get you, get you something. Ah, thank you, Jesus. How many know God is good? All the time, God is good. Jesus. <laughs>
Hallelujah. Oh, let's worship. Let's worship him. Let's worship him. If you can, just when you can, stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, as we receive communion, if you need prayer, we have eight socially distant altars. And you can come and we'll pray over you carefully. But please come if you need prayer. Please don't leave here like you came in. If you need God to do something in your life, He's the healer, He's the way maker, He's the breaker. He's the answer maker. He's all we need. He's all we need. Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Jesus. We ready? Remember what I said. When we all get through the door. How many believe there's power in unity? And how many also know that the, listen, you need to remember, I've said this so many times lately. This is one of the first things we said when this broke out, that the power of the church is in her assembly where two or three are gathered. The power of the church, of the church, is in its assembly. That's why Jesus said where people come together, I'm there. And he didn't just say, I'm there for you alone. He is, he's there, but the power is in the assembly. And that's why as people come back, I believe we're going to see an increase of Holy Ghost power. Just because we're coming together. And it's going to happen. How many know it's going to happen? How many know it's happening already? <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. Glory. Where else can you shut the church down? Yeah, a hundred people still come. I mean, something's happening. This is the body of Christ. This body was broken. Broken. But through that brokenness, we are made whole. So if you are a Christian, receive the body of Christ. And it's not just a body, it's a living body. And this grape juice represents the blood. Without the blood, you're just a corpse. We don't need dead Christians. We need to be alive. We need to be quickened by the Holy Spirit. God needs to breathe upon the church once again and see revival and a move like we've never seen before. It's the blood. It's the blood that makes all the difference. Would you do this together and receive the blood of Jesus? We're going to worship. Don't leave all at once, but let's worship. If you, if you need prayer, please come. There's power in agreement. Come if you need prayer. Let's worship. Come on. Raise your hands and praise you.